Longhorn Nation. Welcome to Texas Talk, your one-stop shop for everything involving Texas Longhorns football. I'm your host, Ryan McAloon. We are recording on Monday, August 7th, and today we will continue to run through Texas's Big 12 opponents with Oklahoma. Before we get into it, though, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you're listening. Also, tell your friends and family about us. After that, make sure to check out our website, texas-talk.com. On the website, you'll be able to find the Longhorns' updated roster, depth chart, the 2023 recruiting class, transfer portal additions and departures, any trending news, plus our analysis on the team. So be sure to check all of that out. The link to the website will be in the description. All right, let's get into it and talk about Oklahoma. When talking about Oklahoma, I think you got to start with head coach Brent Venables. Rookie head coach in 2022, he had a rough, rough start um, for the 2022 season. The 49-0 loss to Texas will not be forgotten anytime soon by either side. But... Honestly, he rebounded really well. Uh, he had a top four recruiting class in that 2022, or sorry, that 2023 cycle. I hate to say it, but this is kind of the same trajectory as Steve Sarkeesian had for Texas after his first really, really bad year. He had a top five class the next year and then kept building. Now, Venables doesn't really have that yet. Oklahoma is currently the 16th ranked um, team in recruiting rankings right now with 19 signees. So if he doesn't get a top 10 class, I think seat's going to be a little warm for Brent Venables. But as of right now, I feel like he's, uh, he's obviously in a good spot only going into year two. Now, next up, we have offensive coordinator Jeff Lebby. Before we start talking about this offense, let's just talk a minute about Jeff Lebby. And he runs that pistol spread offense, which honestly is basically the Bryles offense that became famous at Baylor. And the way this offense is constructed, honestly, I think Jeff Lebby has a really scary unit. So let's get into it. Let's start off with the quarterback, Dylan Gabriel. Probably the second best quarterback in the Big 12 heading into 2023 behind Jalen Daniels. I know Quinn Ewers just hasn't proven enough yet, though. Gabriel was objectively more consistent throughout the 2022 season. So I I think bias aside, I think you have to put Gabriel ahead of Ewers just heading into 2023. Now, in the middle of 2023, if I don't switch those, I will be shocked. If Quinn Ewers isn't the best quarterback in the Big 12 midway through the 2023 season, I think something bad has happened or somebody got injured. But as of right now, Gabriel probably has a shot at being the best quarterback in the Big 12 um, just on paper. Um, the only time Dylan Gabriel really struggled was when he was under pressure in 2022. Other than that, like I said before, he was pretty consistent as a passer. 
the deep ball he had, the medium ball in that 10 to 19 yard range, he had that. But when he was under pressure, he was really, really bad. And most quarterbacks are obviously worse under pressure. That's just kind of common sense. But Dylan Gabriel was another step below that, maybe a couple steps below his normal when he was under pressure. So if you heat up Dylan Gabriel, this Oklahoma offense could sputter a little bit. And Gabriel has kind of struggled to stay healthy throughout his career at UCF as well. So that's definitely something to note. Um, Oklahoma does have five-star quarterback Jackson Arnold behind Dylan Gabriel. A lot of people think that if Gabriel does go down in 2023, that Jackson Arnold might just not give up that starting spot again. Um, So Jackson Arnold, super talented, obviously, as a five-star recruit. I think that Oklahoma is sitting pretty good in the quarterback room heading into 2023 with at least a couple options um, for them. Moving on to the playmakers, we got running back Javante Barnes. In 2022, he had 116 attempts, 515 yards, 4.4 yards per carry, 2.28 yards after contact. So none of those stats really kind of jump off the page. He was definitely their second most productive running back behind Eric Gray, but Eric Gray was way, way more impressive than Javante Barnes was in 2022. So the running back room, I would be shocked if it took a, if it didn't take a step back um, from their 2022 production. Let's move on to the returning wide receivers, and that's Jalil Farouk and Drake Stoops. They were the second and third most targeted receivers in 2022 at Oklahoma, both behind Marvin Mims, who is now on to the NFL with the Denver Broncos. Jalil Farouk, I feel like, is very similar to Marvin Mims and will kind of take over his role as kind of a really good deep threat, but he can also make plays with the ball in his hand as a playmaker as well. Drake Stoops is honestly your classic solid slot receiver. He just makes a living between the line of scrimmage and 15 yards down the field. And to just, that was just kind of how I saw him. And statistically to prove it, his ADOT, his average depth of target was 7.3. So right smack dab in the middle of that zero to 15 yard range. So Drake Stoops, I feel like he's a really solid receiver. I'm not sure he's a game breaker by any sense, but Jalil Farouk kind of holds that title right now for Oklahoma. Now let's talk about a couple of guys that they got in the transfer portal. First off, Andrell Anthony, former three-star from the 2021 class. He spent two seasons at Michigan where he had 583 snaps, 19 catches, 328 yards, and four touchdowns. He's six foot two, 185, so they get a little bit of size in that wide receiver room. But honestly, nothing really stood out about Anthony besides kind of his measurables. He, we didn't really see a whole lot of him at Michigan, and Michigan isn't a team that has a ton of wide receiver 
um, talent in that room. It's not like Ohio State's level of talent at Michigan. So overall, just don't really know what you're getting there, but you're probably getting a drop-off in your three deep unless a guy like Brennan Thompson, former four-star from the 2022 class, he was a top 135 player in that class. He spent one season as Texas. If um, the name sounded familiar, he was at Texas. He played in eight games, but he really only had 52 offensive snaps on the season. So we really didn't see a whole lot of them. Uh, We saw one catch that went for 30-something yards. He is incredibly fast. Um, He was on the track team for spring camp with Texas. But he obviously didn't really like where he sat at the depth chart, or maybe he just wasn't a culture fit. I don't know. But Texas went out. They got A.D. Mitchell in the transfer portal. Brennan Thompson's role kind of started to go behind with guys like Jonte Cook, Ryan Niblett, DeAndre Moore. Those guys kind of coming in as well as freshmen. Brennan Thompson's role just kind of started, he started dropping down the depth chart, in my opinion, at Texas. He goes on to Oklahoma, and I honestly think he's a perfect fit for this Jeff Levy, Josh Heupel slash Art Bryles offense. It just, this offense is all about speed at the wide receiver position. Um, If you look, last year's Blitnikoff award winner was Jalen Hyatt, who got drafted in the third round, which is great, but Blitnikoff award winners usually go much, much sooner than that, especially ones that run in the four twos like Jalen Hyatt does, but he wasn't a polished receiver. He was just really, really fast and knew how to get open in the scheme that was being um, presented. And that is exactly where Brennan Thompson, I think, could thrive. He doesn't have to be this polished wide receiver because he wasn't that coming into college. And in one year, I'm sure he, he gained some polish, but He is not a finished product by any means. And going into an offense like this, I think he might shine. And I am very afraid that he's going to have a great 2023 season after leaving Texas. Because, like I said, he is fast. I can't overstate that enough. Like, maybe Olympic fast. So, him coming into this offense... I think he's going to be an immediate contributor. I think he'll actually get a role over Andrell Anthony, the other transfer that we just talked about. Um, maybe they rotate a little bit more because they are two totally different players. Brendan Thompson under six foot. Like I said, Anthony has a little bit more size to him at six foot two. So maybe they rotate a little bit, but I think Thompson has a chance to be really, really good at Oklahoma. And when I found out he was in the transfer portal, I wasn't all that shocked. I was just really hoping that he went anywhere else, uh, Penn State, Tennessee, even anywhere else. But he makes his way to Oklahoma, and it absolutely terrifies me for the 2023 season and beyond. Uh, Last guy in the wide receiver room, that I think we should talk about is Jaquiz Petaway, true freshman, top 75-ish player. I think he ended up at top 73 uh, in the 2023 class. Also insanely fast. 
not Brendan Thompson fast, I don't think, but really fast nonetheless. A little bit more of an actual receiver than Thompson was coming out of high school, though. You could kind of tell that by his grade as well. Um, 24-7 sports and the recruiting sites kind of thought the same thing. Thompson barely in the top 150, whereas Jaquiz Petaway is in that top 75 solidly. So Petaway might be a guy who could be an immediate contributor for Oklahoma as well. Just like I said, you don't have to be all that polished in this offense to get the ball. You just have to have a quarterback who can deliver on-time throws, and you have to be incredibly fast, and you have to know what routes to run when. But in terms of actual route running, you don't really have to be all that skilled at it. So these guys could come in and contribute immediately for this Oklahoma offense, which, again, just scares me so much heading into 2023 because this Oklahoma team is – Super talented, like I said, from that 2023 class that they just brought in. But before that, they they had some talent. Lincoln Riley kind of stripped them of a lot of their offensive talent, though. So seems like they got all of that talent back in a flash. Um, last playmaker that we'll talk about here is tight end Austin Stogner. He played three three seasons at Oklahoma from 2019 to 2021. Then he went on to South Carolina with Spencer Rattler, who also transferred to South Carolina from Oklahoma. I think this was after the Lincoln Riley news where he was leaving for USC. I'm not sure about those dates, though. He didn't play very well um, for South Carolina last year, but he was pretty solid for Oklahoma before that. So comes back to Oklahoma. I assume that he's going to be rock solid again for them at tight end. Um not really sure he's going to be like a game breaker by any means, but I think he'll be a really solid veteran player for this Oklahoma offense. Let's talk a little bit about this Oklahoma offensive line. Start off with the returning guys, and it starts off with center Andrew Ryan, returning starter, really, really solid vet. Right guard McCade Motter, again, he started left guard for them in 2022, but he played right guard for them in the bowl game. He seems to be a really solid starter returning. Their left guard, Savion Bird, didn't play a whole lot in 2022, but he did start at left guard in the bowl game. He he honestly didn't play all that well against Florida State in that game. So they brought in a transfer right guard, or left guard, I should say, Caleb Schaefer. He played for Miami of Ohio from 2019 to 2022. He has over 2,200 career snaps, mostly at left guard, like I said. So they're giving themselves some options at that guard position with Savion Bird and Caleb Schaefer. Next up, let's talk about these tackles. Uh, Returning tackle is Tyler Guyton. He had 400 snaps in 2022. He wasn't the starter with Wanya Morris there and Anton Harrison there, but he did get a decent amount of snaps, like I said, 400 snaps last year. And he played really well in those snaps. So honestly, I feel like they have a pretty good tackle there at right tackle. Their left tackle, they bring in transfer Walter Roos. He played for Stanford from 2019 to 2022, 
That's over 2,500 snaps in his college career. Really, really solid starter, especially in the transfer portal. It's tough to find a really good tackle in the transfer portal. The fact that Oklahoma got Walter Ruse in is incredibly huge for this Oklahoma offensive line because behind him and honestly the depth of this offensive line in general would leave me really, really worried as an Oklahoma fan. But nonetheless, they have a really solid starting unit. That left guard position is a little bit of a question mark, but like I said, they have a couple options there in Savion Bird and Caleb Schaefer where you kind of would feel okay about it as an Oklahoma fan because they do have a really good offensive line coach, and I'm forgetting his name right now. Um, it's like Bendon Bra or something like that, but absolutely killing me right now, but I'm not going to look it up. Instead, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we'll talk a lot about this Oklahoma defense. <laughs> How's it going, Longhorn Nation? We are back, and we're talking about this Oklahoma Sooners defense. I think the story of this defense is just how bad they were in their first year with defensive guru Brent Venables. Oklahoma was the 77th team in the NCAA in opponent yards per play in 2022. That is really, really bad for Brent Venables and Ted Roof in their first season with this Oklahoma defense. And to make matters worse, this defense loses nine out of their top 13 second-level defenders. That's linebackers, cornerbacks, and safeties. They lose nine out of their first 13 in snap count from the 2022 season where, honestly, none of them played all that well. But still, that is a lot of turnover when you're trying to make this defense take a massive step forward. But let's start off in the trenches. And that all begins at the nose tackle position with Jordan Kelly. Really, really good returning starter from last year. Beside him is defensive tackle Isaiah Coe, another really solid returning starter. The defensive ends, same story there. Ethan Downs was another good starter for them at the end position. Reggie Grimes had his struggles in run defense, but was a pretty good pass rusher when asked to be. He had five sacks last year. Jonah Lalalu, uh, another good returning starter for Oklahoma. Now let's get into the transfers and the guys they brought in to kind of replenish a little bit more on this defensive line. Rondell Bethroyd, transfer from Wake Forest. He played with them from 2018 all the way to 2022. He has over 1,800 career snaps, so a whole lot of experience there. And he's really, really good as a pass rusher, and he's also solid as a run defender. I am kind of assuming that he's going to be a starter ahead of Reggie Grimes and Jonah Lalu heading into 2023, but if he's not, Brett Venables is going to be rotating this cast a ton with Rondell Bethroyd being kind of one of the main contributors there. 
Next up, we have defensive tackle Davon Sears, transfer from Texas State, was a JUCO recruit from the 2021 class. He had 354 snaps in his lone season with Texas State, and he played pretty well for them. Um, you know, seeing him enter the transfer portal for a second time, obviously first time as a JUCO player, entering again and taking a huge step in competition. I don't expect to see him starting like I do Bethroyd, but I definitely think he could be a guy who rotates in this defensive line group. Next up, we have nose tackle Dejon Terry. He started at Kansas. He played in 2019 and 2020, transferred to Tennessee then for the 2021 and 2022 seasons. He's played fine at all of his stops. He's clearly keep keeps moving up in the college football food chain. Obviously starting at Kansas, then going on to Tennessee. Personally, I think Oklahoma is a step up from Tennessee as well. So he keeps kind of taking steps forward in the college football food chain, like I mentioned. But it seems like he's going to be a depth piece here at nose tackle behind Jordan Kelly. Like I said, I think Jordan Kelly is actually a pretty good player. So I wouldn't think that Terry's going to take his starting job, but I do think that Brent Venables is going to start rotating his defensive lineman a whole lot, and Deshaun Terry kind of gives him that flexibility. Let's talk about a few edge rushers coming into this class. Edge Trace Ford, transfer from Oklahoma State. He had 265 snaps in 2022, but he honestly struggled for a lot of that season, so kind of surprising to see him make the jump to Oklahoma. Maybe Brett Pendable sees something that I just personally don't, but Trace Ford is in this edge room. Next up, we have Edge Edeboju Edebawarie. He's a five-star freshman. He was the number two edge in this 2023 cycle. His brother was a fourth-round pick in last April's draft. He was playing at Northwestern. Um... Apparently, Edaboju is supposed to be bigger, faster, and stronger than his brother. Like I said, that get, just got drafted in the fourth round here. Absolutely terrifying. Um, I'm not sure how much we will see Edaboarie immediately as a true freshman, but if he has that size already, if he has that speed already, I wouldn't be shocked if we kind of see him screaming off the edge immediately in the 2023 season. Uh, now we get into a little bit of a hybrid player, and that's Dasan McAuliffe. Transfer from Indiana, top 75 recruit in the 2022 cycle. He played a little bit of linebacker, but he was honestly mostly an edge there. He's still developing as a pass rusher, but he showed a ton of flashes in 2022. And he also played kind of a lot. He had 477 snaps as a true freshman. So Dasan McAuliffe should kind of be a big contributor in this defense. I'm not sure where he fits in yet. This linebacker group we'll get into a second is a little shady. So I'm not sure if Venables kind of wants to transition him there, be more of a Micah Parsons role What when Micah Parsons was it. Penn State, where you're kind of a linebacker, but you're so athletic that you do get blitzed a ton. Um, I'm not too sure, but we just talked about these 
defensive linemen, and it seems like Oklahoma has a pretty solid defensive line group already. So interesting to see what happens in the 2023 season with Desan McCullough. Let's talk about these linebackers now. Danny Stutzman, the only returning starter at linebacker, he struggled a lot in 2022, but he did lead the team in tackles in his first year as a true starter. He played 992 snaps. Now, as much as we talk about rotating, Brent Venables didn't rotate his linebackers at all in 2022, which I don't know if it was because of lack of depth, if he didn't like what his depth did, um, or if that's just kind of how Brent Venables plays his defense. I'm honestly not sure, but David Ogbu was a not-so-great linebacker last year, to put it nicely. Um, And it's kind of scary that no one in this Oklahoma room could really beat him out. Now, it was a really young group, and we'll get into them in a minute, but still just not a good sign for Oklahoma if nobody could have beat him out. Deshaun White was the other linebacker, and he was honestly their best linebacker last year, and he was a really good all-around player. It's going to be tough to replace him if Stutzman takes a step forward here, and if one of these sophomores comes in and kind of contributes immediately, it might lessen the blow a little bit. Now let's talk about these three here. That's Jaron Kanick. He actually played the most out of these three. He had 139 snaps in 2022. It was solid. Not spectacular, though. And he didn't play a whole lot to end the year. He is listed as a true sophomore, so he kind of burned up his redshirt year. These next two, Kip Lewis and Kobe McKenzie, are redshirt freshmen. We barely saw any of them. Kobe McKenzie was committed to Oklahoma. Then he, tr- then he flips to Texas. Um, I think this was after the Lincoln Riley news. He flips to Texas. Uh, that that probably doesn't match up well. I'm not sure how the uh, I'm not sure how the timeline actually worked for Kobe McKenzie, but either way, originally committed to Oklahoma, flips to Texas, and maybe a month later flips back to Oklahoma, ends up signing with Oklahoma, Texas. I think they did all right. They they had a, one of the best linebacking uh, classes in the nation last year. So I think it worked out for us just just fine. It'll be interesting to see if any of these guys, Kanak, Lewis, or McKenzie, can really step up and shine in their first season as true starters for Brent Venables. And obviously the linebacker position is where Venables is you know, the most a part of, and same with their defensive coordinator, Ted Roof. So these linebackers, there's a lot on their plate. There's a lot for them to handle. I think that's why Brent Venables doesn't rotate them a whole lot. He wants them to get as much experience in this defense as possible. So Danny Stutzman, I think, could take a pretty big step forward this upcoming year. It remains to be seen if any of these other guys who really don't have a whole lot of experience, how they do. Now, last guy we'll talk about, transfer from Ferris State, Connor Near. I'm not going to lie to you. It is very hard to find anything about this kid. But 
He has two years playing experience at Ferris State. He's six foot one, 230 pounds. I'm not sure if this is anything more than a depth piece um, or if he is going to kind of fight one of these young guys into the rotation at linebacker or into the starting role at linebacker, I should say. I have no idea. Um, you can't really get a whole lot of information out of Ferris State. So very unsurprising there, but definitely just wanted to bring him up because I don't know if you do see that name. Um, maybe you can draw your own conclusions there. Now, let's talk about this secondary, which is pretty barren for um, Oklahoma coming into the season. But let's start with their best DB last year, returning for his fifth season, and that's Woody Washington at cornerback. Then we have another solid returning starter in Billy Bowman, easily their second-best returning starter in the DB room. Then we have Key Lawrence. He didn't really play all that well in 2022. Uh, he had 432 snaps last year, but he did play well in 2021. So maybe another year in this system, and he kind of gets back to that really solid player that we kind of saw in the 2021 season. Now for a whole lot of unknowns here, we got cornerback Gentry Williams. He barely played in 2022, and when he did, he did not play well, and you can say the same for cornerback Connie Walker. Almost word for word, he played sparingly in 2022 as well, and when he was on the field, it wasn't all that good. And I'm going to repeat myself for the third time. Robert Spears Jennings, again, didn't play a whole lot in 2022, but didn't play well when he was on the field. There is a whole lot of unknown there, but Again, another year in the system, another year in college in general. I feel like one or two of these guys are going to take the next step forward and be really solid. Now, let's talk about who Oklahoma brought in. Um, and we got to start here with safety. Reggie Pearson originally was with Wisconsin, where he played in the 2018 and 2019 seasons there then transferred to Texas Tech, where he played 2021 and 2022. He has over 2,100 career snaps. Didn't really play very well at Texas Tech, and I'm somewhat surprised that Oklahoma went and, go, went and got him from Texas Tech. Like I said with the Tennessee thing, obviously they're still in the Big 12, so, but just the level that Oklahoma is competing at and the level that Texas Tech is competing at are completely different. When you're at Oklahoma, you're expecting conference titles and you're expecting college football playoffs. When you're at Texas Tech, you're hoping for conference uh, championship games. You, you're hoping for eight, nine, ten win seasons. At Oklahoma, that's almost the standard. So moving up in a level of play like that for Reggie Pearson is a little surprising after two pretty underwhelming years at Texas Tech, but um, he's in the fold right now. Obviously a ton of college experience with over 2,100 career snaps. Interesting to see if he can beat out Key Lawrence, who, like I said, also didn't play very well in 2022, but he was in the system last year, so he has kind of the leg up over Pearson at the moment, and Brent Venables does rotate his DBs a lot more 
than, like I mentioned, he does not do with his linebackers. So Reggie Pearson, I would almost assume, is going to be on the field in 2022, 2023, I should say. How much kind of remains to be seen. Now let's talk about this recruiting class because it featured a ton of DBs, and you got to start with defensive back, probably a safety, Peyton Bowen, five-star Consensus five-star, 24-7 Sports has him as a four-star, but overall an incredibly talented player, one of the best players in Texas in that 2023 cycle. Then we have Josiah Wagner, a four-star 2023 recruit, as well as Makari Vickers, Jacoby Johnson as well. All those guys are four-star 2023 recruits. Personally, it's, I think it's really tough to ask a defensive back to come in immediately and be a plus contributor for, for your football team, especially, like I just mentioned, you're Oklahoma, you're expecting 9-10 conference championship level seasons. I think it's tough to rely on defensive backs that early, especially in a defense like Brent Venables, which is incredibly complicated. Busts happen a lot. Obviously, we saw that with their stat of being 77th in opponent yards per play. That means there was a lot of explosive plays on Oklahoma last year. Last guy that the defensive back room did add on this year is Kendall Dolby, four-star Juco player in the 2023 class. Now, like I mentioned, the last four guys I talked about, Bowen, Wagner, Vickers, and Johnson. Those are all true freshman players. It's tough to ask for. This Juco player, Kendall Dolby, I feel like he's a guy who could walk in immediately. He's very much more matured from a physical standpoint than these other four are. And I feel like he's a guy who could come in immediately and contribute for this Oklahoma team. Now, we just talked about all of these DBs. I have no idea which one is going to be the nickel safety or the nickel defensive back for this unit. Honestly, there's just so many unknowns on this team in general, on this secondary room in general, that I don't even kind of want to guess, honestly. I think Peyton Bowen would make a lot of sense if he's ready to contribute immediately just because He's kind of that hybrid safety, but he's also an incredible athlete. And he probably would do incredible at a nickel spot because he'd be able to run with wide receivers while still giving you that size and physicality of a safety. Again, that's just kind of my uh, 50,000 foot view of the situation now. That's kind of the defense. I honestly do not feel very good about this defense. If I was an Oklahoma fan, the good news is as bad as, I shouldn't even say as bad, as uncertain as the secondary is right now, the defensive line group and the edges just, I would have a ton of confidence in. It's honestly a pretty solid group all around with a lot of high-end talent like Edibouarie coming in as a true freshman five-star uh, Dasan McAuliffe coming in as a high-profile transfer and a top 75 recruit just one season ago. Rondell Bo- uh, Bothroyd, I'm not even sure if I'm saying that right, but another high-quality transfer from Wake Forest with a ton of experience at the edge position. 
I think that room is actually really, really good and might be one of the best in the Big 12, which it should be. Texas and Oklahoma are programs where they should have probably the best position groups in the Big 12 year in and year out, just back and forth, one or the other. And I think I still would take Texas's just because there's way more known quantities there, but Oklahoma does have a really talented unit and definitely could surpass Texas's if McAuliffe, Adebowarie do kind of hit the ground running immediately for Oklahoma. Now, let's get into the win totals and where we kind of see Oklahoma stacking up in the college football landscape for the 2023 season. Right now, Vegas has Oklahoma's win total at 9.5. The over is minus 105, so almost even money. The under is at minus 125, so you're paying a little bit more for that under. And, ooh, man, we'll get into it. Let's talk about the wins. Arkansas State, easy win. SMU, solid win. At Tulsa, that should still be a home game for Oklahoma, honestly. That should be a win. At Cincinnati, don't think Cincinnati is talented enough right now with Luke Fickle leaving. If Luke Fickle was there, I think it's a little bit of a different game, but I don't have much faith in Scott Sagerfield. I'm going to go with Oklahoma pretty comfortably. Iowa State, I'm not sure what to do with Iowa State right now with this gambling scandal. Hunter Deckers uh, reportedly being a massive player in betting, in betting Iowa State games specifically. Even without all of that, I think I would lean Oklahoma. But with that, I think it's kind of just put a bullet in it. It's going to be Oklahoma there. UCF at home, I like Oklahoma there as well. At Oklahoma State, man, I just do not think that Oklahoma State has it this year. I don't think Mike Gundy is doing well with the transition to the new college football landscape with the transfer portal, with NIL. I think Mike Gundy is going to kind of have the same exit as a Gary Patterson where it's not going to end incredibly well, but you still respect what Mike Gundy did at Oklahoma State in his time. Long story short, I think Oklahoma wins that pretty easily. West Virginia, Neil Brown is maybe the coach on the hottest seat heading into the 2023 season. I'm not even sure he makes it to this Oklahoma game. I like Oklahoma there. The only win that I have charted here that I think could be a toss-up game is BYU. It's at BYU in Provo, Utah. And it's the second to last game of the year. If this is a night game, I would be terrified if I'm an Oklahoma fan. Because even though BYU isn't as talented as Oklahoma, the way they play football is just, just lends itself to upsetting a much more talented opponent. Texas fans know this. I'm not going to get into it any further than that. Um, now, uh, if you didn't notice, I wasn't going in order. Uh, my apologies for not saying that at the top. I just wanted to rattle off the games that I think Oklahoma was going to win before getting into my three toss-up games. 
first toss up, I had to have Texas as a toss up. If I could have them as an actual loss, I would because I do think Texas is going to be double digit favorites heading into that game. But I'm going to leave it as a toss up. It's a rivalry game, it's a neutral field game. I feel like it doesn't matter what year it is, what team has what. Either side could win that game any given year. So I do like Texas in it. I'm going to count it as a loss, but I did throw it up in the toss-ups column. Next two, and these are much more toss-ups, at Kansas. We talked last week about Kansas. I did mark it as a loss for Kansas's schedule, and I will mark it as a win for Oklahoma's. But I do think that this is kind of a tough one, and I didn't want to put it as a for-sure win because I do think Kansas might be able to sneak one out. It's in Lawrence, Kansas. I don't know. I just I just do not feel great about this Oklahoma defense, especially the secondary. I think Kansas actually matches up pretty well with them offensively, defensively. Kansas, this is going to be a high-scoring game now that I'm talking it out. So if you can right now, I'm not sure. Bet the over in this game, whatever it is. Bet it, because I don't think either of these defenses are good enough to stop each other. And I do feel pretty good about both of these offenses. Last game as a toss-up, I have TCU. This is strictly respect to Sonny Dykes and what he's done at TCU so far in only a year and a half of coaching them. But Oklahoma should win this game. They, they should be more talented than TCU. TCU did bring in a lot of talent again, even though they lost some in the NFL draft. They brought in a lot of transfer talent, and we'll get into them in a couple of weeks, but still a really talented team. Um, if you weren't keeping track at home, I did a bad job at this, but for solid wins, I have nine, including that BYU one. So that's already at our nine number. We just need them to hit one of these toss-ups at Texas at Kansas and at home versus TCU. They just have to hit one of those um, to hit the over there. I I like the over. I hate to admit it. I don't think Oklahoma is good enough to be a 10-win team, if that makes sense. But the schedule is so easy this year for them that I think they still might get the might get to 10 wins and they could be very realistically competing for a conference championship in 2023, even though, like I said, I think whoever meets them there is going to beat them. I mean, they, they dodge Kansas State, which I think is probably the third best team in the Big 12 right now. They dodge Texas Tech, who is a complete wild card this year. So... Man, I just think that Oklahoma shouldn't be good enough to win 10 games in 2023, but I do think they're going to do it. So if you are betting, if you like betting, if you're a Texas fan, just don't bet it. Um, Or emotionally hedge. You could emotionally hedge here, and you could bet Oklahoma over 9.5. And And at least if they do it, you can talk about how easy their schedule was. And at the very worst, at least they won you some money. for, you know, whatever. But I do think that Texas is easily the better team of the two. And I really, I think I'm just going to change it from from toss-ups to a loss for Oklahoma against Texas. Because, again, I just don't think this Oklahoma team is talented enough. This offense is pretty solid. 
um, a little thin at offensive line, which is an important uh, spot, obviously, for your entire offense. And then I think the secondary is just – it could get taken advantage of really easily. And a team like Texas, a team like Kansas, a team like TCU, I think those teams throw the ball so well that it doesn't match up well for uh, Oklahoma. I just think they're too talented to drop all three of those games. I think they'll catch one of the three. All right, that will do it for this week's episode. If you enjoyed the podcast, learned something, or just want to support us at Texas Talk, please give us a rating on your podcast platform of choice and share us on your social networking site of choice as well. I might be back later this week with another summer scouting team. Kind of like I said last week, it's busy season for all construction workers right now. So finding the time to study these teams and get a good feeling about what they're going to look like in 2023 is tough. I will absolutely be back next week with a summer scouting episode, though. If Five Star Edge from Duncanville, Texas, Colin Simmons, who is announcing his decision August 10th, this Thursday, if he commits to Texas, I will absolutely drop an episode. Just a quick one, kind of how Colin Simmons fits into this Texas team, what he brings as a five-star edge rusher. Definitely a big if there, though. Fingers crossed. Look, at, look out for that August 10th. I'll get an episode out that Friday for August 11th. But like I said, I will definitely have at least one episode a week coming at you. So if you don't want to miss it, please subscribe. Thank you all for listening. And as always, hook them.